is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio. Catholic Review Radio is a weekly radio program and podcast hosted by Catholic Review Media, the news operation of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic partners for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to our listeners each week. Welcome to Catholic Review Radio. I'm George Matisek. Catholic homeschooling has been on the rise in the Archdiocese of Baltimore and across the country in recent years, especially during the pandemic. Joining us today to talk about the joys and challenges of homeschooling is Gina Abel, a parishioner of St. John in Westminster and a former teacher in the Archdiocese of Baltimore's Catholic school system who has homeschooled all five of her children. Here's our conversation with Gina Abel. Gina Abel, thanks so much for being here on Catholic Review Radio. George, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So how did your family get started in homeschooling? and what, what drew you to homeschooling? So I, my husband and I started dating in college, and we were at a pro-life talk, and we met a family with a baby who talked to us about homeschooling, and we thought it was just the neatest thing and decided really, even before we were officially engaged, that we were going to be homeschoolers. Uh, then when my oldest was a baby, we, she was three months old, and we took her to a homeschool play and told her, someday this is going to be your school. And then finally, eventually, you know, 18 years later, she started Juliet for that same homeschool co-op production wow. of Romeo and Juliet. So like I said, we're planners, and, uh, and we really um, are enjoying homeschooling. How many children do you have, and did you homeschool all your children? Yes. So uh, my oldest, Claire, is a freshman at Franciscan University, and then I have uh, four other children who are currently homeschooling. Rebecca's in 12th grade, Kevin's in 9th, Lucy's in 8th, and Julia's in 4th. Okay. And what do you like best about homeschooling? What would you say some of the advantages are of homeschooling? So I recognize and and appreciate that there are so many different choices out there for families, um, both in homeschooling and in traditional schooling. For my family, homeschooling has been a tremendous blessing. I love knowing my children really well and knowing how they learn. I love watching them, you know, grow in their knowledge and wisdom and in their faith. I love that they know me well and get to see my faith lived out day to day because we spend so much time together. I really enjoy watching their deep relationships and friendships um, grow with their friends and with one another and our flexibility in scheduling our school life and our home life together. Uh, so, for example, um, if my children really, we really enjoy skiing, instead of skiing on a Saturday when it's busy, we can ski on a Thursday when other children are in school and do some more school, traditional school work on a Saturday. You know, my children like being able to go to the movies with their friends maybe during the school day when it's not as busy and doing something, you know, more academic stuff in the evening. And so, you know, having that, that freedom and flexibility within our schedule has been a real grace for us, uh, even within our curriculum. So, for example, um, when we were doing American history and we have another family we're close friends with, and we went um, every other Tuesday for the year to D.C. And so we visited every museum, we visited every monument, um, and really got a thorough understanding, hands-on, of American history that I wouldn't have been able to do when I was a traditional school teacher. So that's, those have been some real advantages for us. Could you describe what a typical homeschooling day is like for your family? Uh, how long do you spend on homeschooling, and, and how do you organize your day? 
So I'm really um, intense about my planning. We're kind of a high-energy family, and we like to spend lots of time with friends. And so each day really looks different for us. Uh, each of my children belongs to about seven to ten extracurricular activities, and for a lot of them, they're different. So, for example, Lucy's in eighth grade. She plays school and club volleyball. She's the treasurer at 4-H. She's in the encore concert band. She's in a co-op. She's going to be Annie in the musical Annie. She's in a chorus. Um, so she does all these different things. Um, but then I have Kevin. So Kevin plays varsity and indoor soccer. He teaches a chess class to younger kids. He's the assistant the senior patrol leader at Scouts. He plays ultimate frisbee and is on the student council. He plays the tenor saxophone. So all of these different activities, we kind of schedule our school life around them. Um, and we schedule them around our school life. Um, it's essential to me that we finish all of our work and that academics are really important. Um, and so, you know, I look at each child and schedule them in based on the other outside activities uh, that they have going on. How do you juggle lessons and scheduling when you have multiple children at different grade levels? So for us, you know, like I said, my children do things at different times. Um, I'm a, previously I was a classroom teacher in the Archdiocese of Baltimore. And so, you know, as a classroom teacher, I really saw that, you know, there's a lot of juggling involved in making sure each child um, is well-educated because you have children in a classroom, even if they're the same age, they certainly have different abilities and, and it takes a lot of organization. And I find that with homeschooling as well. So it's really important to me that, um, you know, each child gets enough instruction that they can thoroughly understand and learn and master all of their material. So what, but what might have taken one child, you know, 10 minutes to learn in third grade math, it might take another child 40 minutes to learn. And so um, for me, you know, I kind of make out a weekly schedule of who's doing what when, and then I make sure that I follow that up so that we have the free time to do all of the other things uh, that we enjoy. Now, there are some things that all of my children do together. So one of our favorite homeschool traditions, um, we call it quiet lunch. Um, it's not quiet for them. It is quiet for me. So I go in to my classroom, and I close the door, and I have lunch. Um, and that's really my free time. Um, really, I, I read about sports. I am, and we enjoy sports as a family, and so I might you know, follow whatever local sports team and what's going on, or recently the Olympics. Um, and my children have lunch together. They make lunch. They clean up lunch. They talk at lunch. Um, they enjoy that time. And so I feel like they really developed a kind of really an intense friendship over that time. And I hear them laughing in there. And when Claire was heading off to college, you know, my youngest said to me, oh, Mom, Claire's not going to be at lunch. And I said, oh, that's got to be a big loss for you. You know, it's going to be tough. Um, so, so there are some things that they all do at the same time. But a lot of things we schedule at different times. Um, and I treat their academics the same way I treat their, you know, out-of-school things as, you know, essential and important, and, um, and we, we fill out a schedule and we kind of change from week to week and day to day based on what other things they have going on. You mentioned the importance of your Catholic faith. Could you talk about some of the ways you integrate the Catholic faith throughout your homeschooling program? Absolutely. Um, and so, you know, our Catholic faith is, is really, for us, you know, such an essential part of, of everything we do. And so, you know, for my children, you know, this morning, you know, we were driving to daily mass and we were talking about, um, you know, just why it's so important to focus during transubstantiation and just, you know, just how incredible and awesome that we're going to get to experience this and that we can experience it, you know, just any day at any time in, in any Catholic church. And so, so we enjoy when we can get to daily mass. We pray decade of the rosary as a family in the evening. We also choose a lot of curricula that incorporate our faith. And, and there are tons of different programs from Colby to Seton to Mother of Divine Grace. And we also use some secular things. But, um, but we really are, appreciate being able to, you know, kind of have the Catholic faith be part of what we learn so that when my children are learning about an event in history, they might also learn about um, the saints who were alive 
during that time period and what impacted that saint's life um, and how the saint impacted things that are going on in history. Um, we like to celebrate our children's feast days. We take a little bit of extra time off at Advent, and we kind of make that time up during other seasons so that we can really enjoy Advent together. Uh, and so those are kind of some of the ways that, that our faith permeates our day. My children also take some online classes through Colby Academy, which has been a great grace and blessing for them, and the Catholic faith is very present throughout their classes there as well. Do you also do sacramental preparation, or is that done through your parish or, or some combination there? So we're really blessed that it's a, it's really a combination of both. We go to St. John's in Westminster, and they're really phenomenal there about incorporating homeschoolers. Lucy's currently preparing for confirmation with school children and other homeschoolers. You know, she has some fantastic catechists, and she goes to class there. Uh, and we also have the freedom to do we do faith and life from Ignatius Press at home. So she'll have her you know theological instruction at home in religious education, and then she'll also uh, go to confirmation classes at St. John's. Each parish does it differently, um, but I think that pretty much all parishes are, are really strong in, in welcoming homeschoolers because you know, they want them to, to receive the sacraments just like everyone else. Gina, you talked a, a little bit about your experience homeschooling older kids. Could you talk about what that's like for younger kids? Absolutely. Um, when our children were younger, we still had our co-op and some extracurriculars, but not nearly as many. And we chose a more routine schedule for academics uh, with some weekly traditions added in for my children to look forward to. Uh, so, for example, my husband worked a lot of weekends, but he had a half day on Wednesdays. So we would plan something fun for family time each Wednesday after lunch instead of doing school, and then we could do more school on the weekend when he was at work. Uh, we also, um, when my children were preschool aged and younger elementary school students, had a homeschooled high school student come and tell stories and lead PE activities every Thursday morning. And so that would allow me to pull aside each child and work one-on-one -on -one with them for maybe a half hour to 45 minutes where they had my time alone for me to work on anything I felt like they really needed to concentrate on that week. And then they had tons of fun with Kettering when they weren't working with me, so no one felt like, oh, they were just kind of off on their own. Um, and then when they got a little bit older, they were in elementary school during the winter, we would do something called hot beverage history, where we'd get home from morning mass on Tuesdays, and they could choose cider, tea, or hot chocolate while we read our history textbook by the fire. So we really tried to set the tone for our homeschool when they were young that um, there was a lot they had to learn. We wanted to teach them to read. We wanted them to love reading. We wanted to teach them their math. We wanted it to become easy because we taught it thoroughly and well. Um, but we wanted them to feel like they loved God, they loved learning, and they loved each other. And hopefully mixing in fun traditions into our homeschool will give them nice memories from, you know, now when we talk about it, you know, they, they talk fondly about those things we did when they were little. And I think it's pointed in the direction where so far all of them have actually chosen to homeschool during high school when we've given them the choice. Our guest today is Gina Abel, a parishioner of St. John in Westminster and a Catholic homeschooling mom. We're going to take a little break, and when we come back, we'll continue our conversation and focus a little bit more on the nuts and bolts aspects of homeschooling and what families can do if they want to learn more about homeschooling. You're listening to Catholic Review Radio. I'm George Matisek. We'll be back in a moment.
Catholic News from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. Leaders of Loyola Blakefield announced February 22nd that Patrick and Michelle Connor have committed a $5 million gift to the Jesuit school in Towson. Two new endowment funds will be created, a $1.5 million new need-based scholarship for incoming students, and a $3.5 million endowment fund supporting faculty and staff compensation. Patrick Connor is a 1977 alumnus of Loyola Blakefield. He and his wife are parents of four sons who graduated from the school. The scholarship fund will further enable Loyola to increase access and affordability, the school said, helping extend the opportunity to experience a Jesuit education to as many qualified students as possible, regardless of income status. A U.S. Navy veteran, Patrick Connor has more than 35 years experience in the environmental engineering and consulting industry, founding and leading companies that are nationally recognized for technical expertise and service. For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. From the newsroom of the Catholic Review, I'm Kevin Parks. This is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio. Welcome back to Catholic Review Radio. I'm George Matisek. Our guest today is Gina Abel, a parishioner of St. John in Westminster and a Catholic homeschooling mom, and we're talking about homeschooling today on the show. Gina, could you tell us what the state requirements are regarding homeschooling and what steps a family must take to begin homeschooling? Absolutely. So um, the state of Maryland has um, COMAR regulations, they're called, um, that require families to declare their intent in writing to their county. Um, They require regular and thorough instruction in all subjects typically taught to public school children of that age. Um, And so that's kind of the general regulation from Maryland. And each county is going to have a different representative that you're going to declare your homeschool intent in writing to them. Um, And then you're going to choose when you do that how you'd prefer to have your homeschooling supervised. And so some people use um, an umbrella group and some people use the county. Those are pretty much the two options. And so there are lots of Catholic umbrella groups and Christian umbrella groups um, and secular ones also that families can choose. And if you do an internet search, you, know, you can find there are tons of them. Um, and then also there you can go through your county and have a county supervisor meet with you um, to ensure that you're pursuing um, a complete instruction in public school subjects that children of that age would learn. Okay. So if a family was considering homeschooling, what, what would be your advice on um, what, what would be the first step to take if, if you're looking into homeschooling? So there there are lots of different ways to approach it. I guess my advice would be to perhaps um, do an Internet search of some local homeschool cooperatives and maybe talk to someone um, who's already involved in homeschooling. Um, The legal step, of course, is just to declare your intent. But it's great to be able to um, talk to people who are homeschooling, kind of see what the options are in your area. You know, there are so many different things that go on in homeschooling that um, it's actually really easy to get plugged into. So whether it be, you know, a regular meeting co-op, whether you choose to do a co-op that does academics or more um, social type classes, um, or whether you're interested in lots of special events, say at the aquarium or the science center or an art museum, um, talking to other homeschoolers is really an easy way to get plugged in. One of the things that often comes up with homeschooling, and, and I'm sure you get this question a lot, is is what do you do if a subject area is beyond your expertise? I, I just think of my own background, and I'd be perfectly fine teaching history or English or writing, but I could never hope to teach advanced mathematics or, or science. Uh, could you talk about that? Uh, how, how do you bridge that gap when, when a parent's academic strengths and the child's curriculum don't quite match up? 
Sure, I, I absolutely understand that. Uh, my husband's a physician, and he teaches all the science in our house for elementary and middle school because it's not my personal area of expertise or my area of love, and it is his area of love. Um, so there are a lot of different ways to address that. One way that families choose um, is through teacher's manuals and very specific instruction. And so, again, they could turn to Seton or Colby or Mother of Divine Grace um, and get you know very specific instructions in terms of how to teach that class. They can also choose an in-person homeschool cooperative where someone else might help teach their child that subject material. Or they can choose, turn to an online homeschool cooperative. Um, and so that's something that you know, my family uses an online program through Colby Academy where in high school, um, you know, I'm sitting here talking with you. My son's in a different room in an online Spanish class. He wanted to take Spanish. I took French. So he, we decided he was going to take that um, through Colby. And, and we've been really blessed there with really skilled instructors with deep Catholic faith uh, who love my children. And so I kind of get the best of both worlds. Um, if there's something that I don't feel comfortable teaching, I can, or if it's just something where I think that Colby has a really neat offering, I choose to let my children, you know, take classes online, um, particularly in high school, they take a bunch. Uh, whereas um, I could also choose, you know, a different online program, or I could choose an in-person co-op to, to have someone help them in that way. And how is the academic performance evaluated? Do, do children typically go under, undergo standardized testing along the way? So that's really, um, in Maryland, it's not required. Pennsylvania it is, I believe, at this point. But so families decide on their own whether they'd like standardized testing. Um, they are evaluated, again, under Comar regulations. So the county and um, or someone's umbrella group is going to provide supervision. Um, they're not actually going to provide, um, they're not actually going to evaluate you how much on how well your children do, but more on how thoroughly your child has completed the work. So, for example, if a child you know, came to their evaluation and they had a B minus in history, no one's going to tell you, okay, you can never homeschool again. <laughs> That's not how it works. Um, but if your child came and they didn't do any history that year and they were like, oh, you know, we kind of had other stuff going on, that's a problem. And so, um, so they're, you know, depending on how you choose to do things, if you belong to a co-op, they might provide grading or an online service might provide grading or a parent might choose to do their own grading. Um, my personal experience has been that um, parents are really tough on themselves. You know, they feel a tremendous weight and responsibility in terms of ha making sure that their child is able to you know, do their subject material well. And so some parents choose um, to teach you know, on a schedule to make sure they complete their entire curriculum. Some parents choose to teach to mastery. And so they might say, okay, I'm all right if I don't get to that very last part of the subject, but I want everything along to be an A. I want to make sure they know their things really well. And that's really just a matter of personal preference. In my own situation, um, we choose both. We're going to finish our work, and we're going to work to the A. And so if that means we're going to take a little, little bit of extra time, you know, from free time to finish it, we'll do that because that's just um, the way our family, the choice that our family makes. What should families know before they attempt homeschooling? Uh, it's, it's such a big leap for, for many families. Uh, um, could you talk about that? Like, if you're going to commit to this, like, sure. what kind of like record keeping and preparation, the time that's involved in, in preparing for a class, uh, what kind of commitment is involved that, that parents should know in advance before they, they take the leap? Um, so I would say this, um, and, and this might not answer this question completely, but um, I'm going to tell parents to give yourself some grace um, and to know that um, 
schools are fantastic. I taught in the Archdiocese. I loved teaching, and I felt like there were a lot of tremendous, wonderful experiences I had, and I hope that my students had also. Um, and, and hopefully it's going to be the same way. And so everything is always not going to go perfectly. And ev- no child is, um, is perfect, and no parent is perfect, and no teacher is perfect. And so the same way different things happen in school that maybe, you know, you have to spend an afternoon, you know, working on something in school that it wasn't part of your curriculum, you know, the same thing sometimes is going to come up at home. Um, and so I strongly encourage parents uh, to give yourselves and your children the freedom to love homeschooling, the freedom to have fun together, to the freedom to grow in faith together. Um, your academics are going to be really important. And to my husband and I, um, you know, it's essential that we teach our children well. You know, and their test scores and their coursework and their academic scholarships all reflect that. But more importantly, um, you know, as you're planning, give yourself the time to plan. You don't have to do it all at once. So for, for my children who are super involved in things, well, that's great. I've been homeschooling for 17 years. Um, but when you start out, you know, it's fine to start out slow and say, okay, you know what, we're going to do this field trip this month with our schooling. You know, we're not going to get to everything. Or I'm going to say, I'm not going to be as strong, you know, I'm going to make sure I do math every day, but maybe I don't get quite as far in math as I wanted and don't pick it up again at night because I want to make sure my children have outside time to, to visit with their friends so they don't feel negatively about homeschooling. Um, my husband and I do choose um, to take a few days each day, each year, not each day, but uh, each year where we go away and we plan out our children's next year. And we talk about all sorts of things. Um, a lot of it is talking about what they're going to do for homeschooling in the following year. And so, you know, our kids joke, okay, you go away from us so that you can talk about us. And we do. Um, we take a few years and we, we talk about their friendships. You know, how are they growing in their relationships with one another? We talk about their faith. How are they growing in their faith? Um, we talk about their schooling. You know, how can we best support them um, so that they're learning and enjoying um, the richness of God's creation and the intellect that he's given them? What impact has the pandemic had on homeschooling? Are, are there any statistics out there that you know of uh, regarding how homeschooling so, has the Wall Street Journal did an article saying that it's about double, that maybe from 4 to 5% of the American population to 10 to 11. I know that there's, you know, then there, maybe there could be perhaps a little bit of a slide back where people say, okay, now schools are in person and now, you know, schools are kind of getting more back to normal and so maybe they'll choose to put their children in school. But I think a lot of people that I've met, um, are, I think they'll stay with homeschooling because they found, wow, this is kind of a neat experience for them and, and they enjoyed it perhaps a little bit more than they thought they would. What would you say some of the biggest misconceptions are about homeschooling? I think socialization often comes up. Or, or could you talk about that? It does. And I was talking with my my speech students are super fun. And I asked, I told them I was going to be talking to, you, and I said, "What you know? What should I tell them about homeschooling?" They're like, "Tell them that you're allowed to have friends." <laughs> yes, that's certainly true, right? Um, and so um, what, what really, it, it is, you know, a kind of misconception because if anything, um, you know, when I talk to parents, it's a matter of, okay, you know, yes, we all have great friends. Let's get to our literature, you know, because there's so many fun things to do and there's so many fun opportunities. Um, and so I think that, that the friendship one is the, and socialization is, is maybe a misconception. And what I've experienced is, that um, there's a real gift in homeschooling in, in multi-age friendships. So, for example, um, my, my daughters, Claire and Rebecca, have uh, this dear friend, Charlotte, and they've all been friends since preschool, um, and I love Charlotte deeply. And I think that they wouldn't have all been such good friends um, if they weren't homeschoolers, simply because Charlotte's a year older than Claire, and Claire's a year older than Rebecca, and they would have had their own friends in their own grades. Um, but they had tremendous similar interests. So, for example, they took a quilting class together and all made uh, rag quilts for their beds. 
or they took a knitting class together and knitted hats for preemies, or they took a 5K class together and ran and, you know, Rebecca raised like over $1,000 for the pregnancy center. And so because they had these similar interests, they grew this very deep friendship. And so, you know, in, in my experience, in addition to all these just regular um, activities that traditional school children would belong to also, um, the homeschool children, they do have some freedom. Like, you know, we'll have a speech workshop at my house, and then everyone's singing around the piano. Or we'll go visit the assisted living and tell stories behind uh, the assisted living behind my house and tell stories to the residents. Then we'll come back to my house and play lawn games. Um, and so it might be, you know, late at night and no one really wants to leave because, oh, I really have to get up for school in the morning. But so, so if anything, I think that, that, that socialization is, is probably the biggest misconception. Where would you recommend parents turn online? Or are there uh, different resources available online to learn more about homeschooling? I'm sure there's lots of lots of stuff out there. Absolutely, there is. And and really, you're going to look to your own interests. I think so. Um, for example, you know, certainly there are many like internet groups on various social media. Um, but also, you know, for legal recommendations, I do recommend the Homeschool Legal Defense Association that families can join that, that help them make sure that they're meeting all um, requirements of the state. Um, for social things, if you Google homeschooling and your county or internet search, you know, homeschooling and your county or your state, um, you'll get literally hundreds of, of hits and things. And, and it really depends on your family's interests. So we love music. My children belong to Encore Academy Homeschool Band. You know, my daughter loves volleyball, so she plays Baltimore Bravehearts Homeschool Volleyball and FCAMD Volleyball. Um, my son loves soccer, so he plays on an FCA soccer team that's primarily homeschooled because they practice a little bit earlier before school gets out. Um, you know, we, my homeschool co-op, TGIF, um, was a great fit for us because it had so many kind of special interest classes for my children. And so all these different things, um, you know, if you search what do you like to do, um, you pretty much can find it for homeschoolers, I think. Well, our guest today has been Gina Abel, a parishioner of St. John in Westminster and a homeschooling mom. Gina, thanks again for being here. Thanks so much for having me, George, and I just wish everyone the best wishes as, as they consider homeschooling and um, to treasure their time with their children because it goes so quick. It absolutely does. For Catholic Review Radio, I'm George Matisek. Thanks for listening. You're probably not getting much church news in your daily newspaper or on your local TV station. The Catholic Review is the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the Catholic Church full-time. There are so many ways to stay in touch with the Catholic Review. Pick up the monthly magazine at your parish or have it delivered to your home. Get fresh news every day online at catholicreview.org. Subscribe to our e-newsletter for twice-weekly updates just text CR Media to 84576. Follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Catholic Review Media will inspire, teach, inform, and engage you wherever your faith takes you. Read it today in print or online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. Tune in to Catholic Review Radio next week. Available on WMET 1160 AM and 103.1 FM. Also, WSJF 92.7 FM in the Sykesville area and WVTO 92.7 FM in Baltimore City. Check us out on SoundCloud or your favorite podcast app. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Review Radio. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. 
Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May Almighty God bless us and keep us always in his love.